Hey, what's good, what's good, what's good? Welcome to Reflections of a DJ, the world podcast presented by DJ City and Beat Source. I am one of your hosts, DJ Crooked. We got DJ Never here. Yo, what's up? We got DJ D-Miles. Yo, what's good, what's good? We got Jamie the Great. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're going to have to take it back to New York. You know, we're going to take it to NYC and the East Coast, the tri-state area, real quick. I got to speak to... Our regular over here, my homie, for, I don't know, almost 20 years now, you know? Co-founder of my favorite party of all time, Everyday People. He's a, you know, right? I guess I got to call him producer now. DJ producer. We got DJ Moma here. You know what (laughs) I'm saying? The fellas. And then we got a special guest. We got a special, special guest, you know, by way of New Jersey, Jersey's finest. You know, her name's (laughs) been bubbling in the streets in NY. You know, she's been featured in a couple everyday people streams and even did a couple real life events with everyday people. She, I think she did the last party for everyday people for the summer. Right. She's got her own party called Tacos y Cervezas. Let's welcome Dana Lou. Dana Lou, what's good? Yes, thank you for yes, coming yes, through. Yes, yes, Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Dana, Dana, have you even heard of this podcast? Do you even know what you're on? You don't even know what the fuck this is, right? <laughs> I have, yes. I, I've heard of the podcast. Okay. Um, I haven't got a chance to fully dive into it, though. I'll be, I'll be honest with you yeah. guys. But, uh, you know, first time for everything, we're here. It's we're all here. good. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you're busy. You just got pulled over or something? What's up with you? You're in the, you're in the whip right now? Not pulled over. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> I can't get any, any, more, any more tickets. Um, <laughs> had to pull over and, uh, you know, speak to you guys. I'm, I'm really excited about this. It's good to have y'all here. So, wait, wait. Danny, you close out. I saw your recap on Everyday People. You did the last Everyday Everyday people for the summer pretty much and for those of you who don't know everyday people if you guys been living under a rock everyday people is one of my favorite parties it's it was founded in new york um and it's it's traveled all around the world from london to toronto to la miami it's just like the best of everything south africa south africa yes. right and it's the you best it's, it's it's <laughs> you know it's it's basically the best African hip hop R and B classics party there is in the world, and you Thank know you. I'm so glad I'm we were one of the first people to introduce it to y'all. If y'all know the podcast, so <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna take a little credit for that for for all of A1. us. Yeah, A1. but but Dana, I saw your recap on Instagram. I mean, you did you, you was wilding. It was it was it looked good. Like you did everything but crowd surfing shit to, in, in, that <laughs> night. <laughs> hey, but she almost did. She almost did. I'm, she I'm, almost I'm, right. I'm, I'm going to let Dana get into it, but, you know, we had been trying to book her for, you know, over a year, but evidently you had COVID that had shut everything down. So we had a chance to do uh, live streams on Twitch. We did two, you know, and both times, like she burned it down in the chat. I didn't know you could burn it down in the chat. Right. I just thought you DJ on Twitch. And then the chat was going crazy. And like, I was like, if we can feel the energy of the crowd on Twitch with this DJ, then I definitely got to like get her in front of a real crowd. And for, for whatever reasons, we really wasn't able to do it throughout the, the duration of the summer. But then we had this one last date at Elsewhere. And I was really happy that um, she was able to do it. But to go back to the point about crowd surfing, she almost did. <laughs> she dropped uh, Father Stretch My Hands and grabbed Shernita, one of our hosts, yeah, yeah. and just went right in the middle of the audience. You know what I'm saying? And just started moshing with the audience. And that's all I'm going to say. I'm going to let you take it from there, Dana. Yeah, man. Um, first of all, Everyday People is one of my favorite events happening in New York City. Well, in the New York City area. Um Cause I'm sure you guys know, but there's like other parties happening in the New York city area, but uh, EDP definitely 
as my heart right now. Um, but yeah, yo, I've, I've been doing this thing of like just interacting with the crowd and just saying, yo, fuck it. I'm going in. I'm vibing with you guys. I'm here, you know? Um, I don't know what possessed me to play Father Stretch My Hands, but <laughs> it, it, and I'm like, yo, I got to do something. Like, I can't just stand here, you know? So I was like, yo, like I walked over to Shernita. She's the first person I looked at. And I'm like, yo, let's get in the fucking crowd. Let's go. She was like, what? What? I'm like, let's go now. And it like she came with me. And once the beat dropped, oh, it, it, it was crazy. Jumping up and down, screaming. I lost my breath after like five seconds, though. I'm not going to lie. It was like a time machine because <laughs> Maine, Maine, who's one of my partners at Everyday People, was like, yo, when Dana Lou dropped Father Stretch My Hands, it felt like when it came out in 2015. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We might, you Man. may have thought the record, it's, it's, it's not, it's never truly a washed record. That one always goes, but it's just a function of how well DJs play it. I don't yeah. think it could have been played any better because she dropped it from the top. From that very first, oh, yeah. so it gave her like a good 30 seconds to get in the crowd. <laughs> so you had yeah. to watch the whole thing. She came off the stage, grabbed Shanita, walked in the middle of the crowd, and then everybody knew what was going to happen next. And, and Shanita's like the head. She's like literally kind of like the choreographer, the dancer in charge of all the dancers at Everyday People, which is a big part of the party. You know what I'm saying? Which really brings the energy and the culture with all the dancers that she brings. Yeah, that's right. She was, she used to just come to everyday people when we were at La Marina and she brought so much energy to the stage. And I was like, Shanita, I feel guilty that you're doing this for free. Like I could pay you for this. (laughs) She was like, what? I said, I could pay you. I can give you complimentary drinks, a guest list for your friends. She was like, are you shitting me? I was like, no, that's what hosting is. And you know, that was in 2015, you know? And so she's been an instrumental part of everyday people since then and now you know the, the dancers are a real part of what we do is it weird is it weird now that like you were talking about father stretch your hands and you know playing it like it just came back it was it's been a weird year of just music in general like i was just talking i think new york's different from vegas but i was talking to everybody in vegas we was like yo there was no song of the summer in vegas nah. like for us like as far as I mean, a we, record you know we have a strong afro-caribbean crowd so right. obviously we had essence and yeah. and gallus which is yeah. crazy Mm-hmm. But outside of that, I was having this conversation with, with, with Dana the other day. People just want to rage, man. People just want to rage. I, I played Weed and Boys and it went off. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, I have forgotten about that record. I had just seen it in my crate. I was looking for something. It was the right BPM. I was like, fuck it. And it was huge. That was in and your crate. Trained. That was in your crate by accident, though. It's not like you meant to put that, like you dragged that shit in. <laughs> no, no, no one's was, no one sees that record and says, I'm gonna play that tonight. That's gonna go off, yo. That was, nah, a, I had, that was I had an a accident. Crate. Yeah, I had a crate from like 2014 or 2015, or whenever that record came out yeah. that I yeah. looked into because I was stuck. I was looking for old Drake. Cause like the thing about Drake is anything from Drake goes, you know, say new yeah. or old. And yeah. I found that I found cashing out oh, I found shit. a whole bunch of shit from that era. And I just started going crazy with it. And people just want to rage. And I was, I've been playing like commercial EDM, um, beautiful people by Chris Brown, two, one, two, uh, Azalea yeah. Banks. Yeah. That's uh, still obviously we found still a sleeper record. songs that yeah. people don't expect to really hear at, at everyday people, but they've been they've been going crazy. And I mean, Dana, I know you'd be doing like a slightly different circuit uh, because you do a lot of stuff uptown, which has its own energy. So what's been what's been really going off 
up, uptown. That, there's a whole like reggaeton and dembo, and there's a whole nother vibe oh my up there. God. Um, there's this record called Uva, is sung by Rochi. He's a Dominican artist out in the Dominican Republic. That right there is, that's like the Gallus, I guess, song of the summer. Um, Tokisha has been ringing off crazy too. Like, I like to call her, if you guys don't know who she is, I like to call her the Dominican Little Kim. Wow. Um, because, yeah, if you guys don't know, like, the Dominican Republic is a very conservative conservative country. Um, so, you know, like, women, like, have to, like, be covered up. And you can't really be, like, putting yourself out there like that. But she doesn't care. Like, she's her own woman. She doesn't care. She's literally the Dominican Little Kim. Wow. And he's, like, the biggest thing out right now in dr so she has a record called um tuku naso something like that um it's with another artist called cherisco crazy so a lot of like them bull records been hitting bad bunny of course that bunny's always gonna hit yeah. <laughs> no matter yeah. right <laughs> so we, we know we know very well about bad bunny yeah oh, too well that's your background you're dominican you're dominican yeah I'm, i was gonna ask yeah yes i'm dominican mom and pop's dominican but you know Dominicans are black. I'm black. Yeah, I saw you taking notes when she was listing all the Dembo records and the Dominican. How did records. you know? I saw you scheming. Put that shit. I was like, hold on, she's dropping gems. I, I saw him scheming like the dude, like the DJ was, who's hanging out in the back with the Shazam on. That's what he looked. I was he trying to be. That, he had that. Face I was trying on. to be cool. I was trying to be cool and just think about it and hopefully you remember <laughs> after we done and then write it down. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Everyone, everyone, everyone on the screen had the uh, the Shazam face on. Like, the phone, what's okay. yeah. <laughs> Dominican little kid. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you guys, she's so okay because I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the Latin. I think the Latin Billboard Awards just happened. If I'm not mistaken, somebody please correct me. The yeah, Latin recently. Yeah. Just came out. And and she was being interviewed by like this guy by a reporter, and she said that um something like she's the queen of like all vaginas, something like that, like something crazy, nice. like just things that Latin artists normally just don't say, especially mm. like in Latin artists. I, I heard about Tokisha a while ago, but right now she's getting a look because she has a song with uh with uh Rosalia and Jay Balvin. Mm. Yes. Oh, two different songs, one with Jay Balvin, one with Rosalia, and then she had the other one by herself. Yeah. Uh it, it was Tucanazo. Yeah. Tucanazo. Yep. Yeah. I, isn't there like a beef between like uh Jay Balvin right now and like Calle 13 or something like that? Like there was some shit that Jay Balvin, like something happened, right? I I think I saw Calle 13 on like on Instagram a couple days ago like Talking shit to Jay Balvin or some shit, like saying he's like a fucking hot dog vendor of reggaeton or something. Some shit like that. That's what I I don't know the details. You know what's going on? I haven't fully dived into it. Yeah. Um 
I'm not sure if any other DJs have. I I don't I don't like to dive into stuff like that too much. <laughs> it takes up too much of my energy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. I, I I'm wondering what was going on. I was like trying to research the shit, but it wasn't like clear. And then Jay Balvin came out with a bunch of hot dog merch or some shit. That's what <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that's true. No, he did. Like, I, he came out with like hot dog merch to like troll the motherfucker saying he's a hot dog vendor or some shit. That's kind of hard, man. That's, yeah, that's hard. funny. That's trolling. Well, that's when you know reggaeton's getting big when motherfuckers are shitting on each other, right? Because when it's small, yeah. like, yo, when it's small, it's like, like, everyone's like, kind of like, yo, we got to make this shit pop. Now it's getting to a point where motherfuckers are beefing like that. It's kind of. It's kind of good. It's the same in Afro beats. You know, Davido beefing with Wizkid. Yeah, yeah. Burner Boy beefing with Wizkid. Then they make up, and then they beef again. But to your point, yeah, it shows that the genre is booming. Yeah, they had an Afro beats fest here in Las Vegas, and, like, I couldn't go. I just didn't make it. Yeah, I think oh, Silent had four days. I was what, the one that, that was the one that was at Dre's? Yeah, yeah well, it was not only Dre's. It was, like, Area 15. Dre's Daylight had yeah. one. What's up? Oh, okay. It yeah. was like in different venues. Momo, you were supposed to go. You were like booked for that shit, right? How can I say this? Um, <laughs> the, the money wasn't the, right? No, the, the, the final <laughs> papers didn't come in in time, right? And, <laughs> and we had already decided to do Everyday People double header that weekend. So the last weekend of the summer, we was only supposed to do Knockdown Center on s- September 25th. And then elsewhere, there was the additional date, the, the infamous 926 where Dana Lou shut it down. So when that opportunity came up, you know, I was talking to my partners to Sinclair in Maine, and they were like, yo, you think we could do a back-to-back? Do you think we could sell 3,500 tickets in one weekend? And I was like, yeah, let's do it. Let's, we'll say it's the end of summer. We'll shut it down. And that whole package for the, for the doubleheader as the last weekend in New York, you know, by the time they got back to me, I was like, I'm sorry, guys. You know, the train has left the station. We're doing mm-hmm. other things now, you know? So... Um, hopefully I get to work with them again. So it's just no, you know, no shade or nothing. It's just that we had our own thing happening here. Did you so big? It didn't, so it didn't work out. Wait, did you big time them and shit? Did you big time them? I didn't. I didn't. You know, they, they came <laughs> back with the final it's, papers. It sounds it like late. You, it sounds like you kind of big timed them a little bit. But no, maybe a little bit. Already had the man already had his. He already had his thing in the movement. In order to reserve a date, you know, you got to put down a deposit or what have you, and then. Whoever manages your affairs, they just block it off on the calendar, right? Okay, I'm not, so unfortunately, I'm not, I'm not trying that didn't to, happen. I'm not trying to start now. I'm just, you know, it sounded like it. So I just, I wanted the clarity. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just yeah. wanted, by all accounts, it was a success. <laughs> they did not need me. They did not need DJ MoMA or anybody. Yeah. It was lit. You know, they had DJ Tunes. Uh, they had my man Young Prince on the mic. All the dancers that hang out with us in New York yeah. was flown out there to do their thing on stage. Mm-hmm. All the biggest artists out there. I saw techno, Whiskit performed. Yeah, um, it looked lit. It looked like there was a lot of culture in Vegas for once. For once, you know? yeah, yeah, for once it was. <laughs> Yo, so like everyday people, you know, you know, Dana with your uh, tacos and cervezas, like yeah. you know, throwing events this year. You know, now that we're kind of at the end of the summer, some events have passed throughout the months. You know, Moma, I've talked with you behind the scenes. It seems like obviously a front. You know, it's like everything's cool, everything's all right, kind of. But I know behind the scenes, it was a, it was kind of chaotic, right? Just like I know in LA and Cali and certain cities, it was like there weren't venues open. There was like all these like confusion on regulations and protocols and and, and shit like that. And I know, Mom. I mean, for for a couple weeks, if not a couple months, the comment section in the Instagram of everyday people was 
nuts. It was like I went for the first time. I, I was seeing everyday people post about, you know, the the event. It would be just a flyer post, and it was like thousands of comments, hundreds of th- comments from anti-vaxxers. Like what? Vaccination only? What? Negative test? All of this shit coming up and. And I remember talking with you before. You were like, yo, man, we're just going to go the super safe route and see what happens. And, and Dana, I, I saw you guys had uh, tacos and cervezas in Orlando that you had to cancel maybe in August, right? Or something? Yeah, unfortunately, that um, that took a really big toll on me because I was really, that was going to really be a really big one. We were supposed to host it at uh, Celine. It's one of like the best venues out in the downtown Orlando area. But um. You know, the COVID cases were just extremely too high. And I just, I, I didn't want to put like any of our crowds from the New York area going down there in danger. Yeah. Because, you know, Florida is going to Florida. Like they don't care down there, you know. Um, <laughs> sorry to say that. But um, I was also t- um, participating in like the town hall meetings with like um, Advent Health. It's like one of the major hospitals in the Orlando area. And they were saying, listen, like, for Labor Day weekend, we're projecting that cases are going to be triple than what they are now. So it was a really tough decision that I, I, me and my partner had to make. But, uh, you know, for the safety of our, you know, our supporters and friends and family, I just we decided to pull back, unfortunately, fortunately, unfortunately. Yeah, but you, because you guys, both of you guys having your own parties, right? You have to have the response. I mean, you guys are DJing it and everything and it's all a party and it's all good. But. I don't think motherfuckers understand like the responsibility you guys have because of of basically your following. You have to care for their health. You have to like look out for them and make sure you're creating a safe environment for that shit. I know Mo, that was a big fucking deal with you when you were talking with me uh, and all the fellas about launching, relaunching uh, everyday people this summer. You want to look out for the health and wellness of of the people that are going to attend. That's no question. But you're also limited by the local laws and the mandates. You know, so a lot of times that takes all the guesswork out of the equation in order to get started in New York back in June. If you wanted to have an event that was not socially distanced and without mask wearing, I'm never going to an everyday people that's socially distanced. That's just it's stupid. It makes no sense. Right. And I don't even want to be wearing a mask outdoors in order to, to do an event without both of those things. It had to be fully vaccinated. So when we got out the gate with the first two events, that's what the mandates was. That's what then, New York, New York, New York. Yeah. New York was telling then later you. on that week, actually during that same week. Yeah. After we started promoting vaccine only, they changed it to vaccine or negative test. Wow. But we had already promoted vaccine only events. So how do you tell the people who bought tickets? Oh, we're bringing these other people to the dance now. Right. So we're like, let's just stay with this mandate for now. And we we caught heat for that because people were like, well, I'm supposed to be able to pull up with a negative test. I said, I know, but we already sold vaccine only to a couple thousand people. So let's just leave it at that. And then the next set of events, we went vaccine or negative test per the mandates. Right. And then in August, they changed the mandate when it went back to vaccine only. And so we had to change again. And then we caught more heat for that. But I feel like people thought we were making up the laws. (laughs) We were just following whatever, like the city of New York and Obviously, we're not trying to say get vaccinated or don't get vaccinated. We're trying to say that until we can find a space for all black people to commune, it's better to be able to throw a party for some of the people than none of the people. 
you know? And that's why people were beefing with us. They were like, y'all are being elitist. This is medical elitism. I'm like, what are you talking about? (laughs) You know, like if if we can find a space for 2,500 people to jam and only 2,000 can come, then that's what it's going to be. Also, we got to feed ourselves, right? Like we got families, we got bills, we got rent. But some people want to. So I wasn't even really I wasn't even really tight about the whole vaccine versus anti-vaccine argument because I get it. You can be on either side of that. Right. For me, it's people who just had the audacity to say, y'all should shut shit down until we can all party together. You know, and I was just like, nah, that's not going to be the case. If we can make twenty five hundred people happy and provide joy to a segment of the community, then let's do it. And then at some point, everybody can come back to the dance and it'll be even better. Let's rewind to the first flyer you put up, right? That was vaccination only, right? Mm. All the comments, like a majority of the comments was like, I guess I ain't going to go. I'd be like, well, I'm not going. I guess I ain't fucking with everyday people no more. Like if they're going to move right. like this. Was that a little scary? Like was like even with you, Dana, did you, I don't know if you did any, uh, any uh, Taco Cervezas uh, in New York or any events, but like if you did vaccination only, like it must, for me, if I had owned a, you know, a business and I was advertising and I saw the comments and I was like, oh shit, look at all these negative comments and shit. You know what I'm saying? Like this shit would kind of like fuck with me in, in the same sense. I wasn't that concerned because, you know, it's always the loud minority that's the loudest. Like if you have 150 negative comments, but 3,500 likes, you know, you got to look at that ratio. It's just the people that's with the shits don't want to say nothing. They ain't got time for the, you know, for the controversy. But the people that's not with the shits, they the one who got time. They got all day. You know what I'm saying? They going back and forth. And in my mind, I was like, let's not say anything. Let's let the community regulate itself. You know, people who are like working in hospitals or People who had vaccine hesitancy were all in the chat, you know, commenting, starting a discussion. Mm -hmm. And um, I liked it because it was a lot of engagement, you know. And then the parties were selling out (laughs) quick, fast, like faster than they ever had. In like two hours, you know, 1,200, 1,300 tickets gone. And I think a lot of that had to do with the engagement that a lot of the people that was like, I don't fuck with everyday people. It's going to be empty. It's going to be just y'all. And then people come replying back to them like, why you sound like you hating from outside of the club? And that whole kind of like communication that was going on was bringing up the flyer in, in the algorithm. And the party's just selling out dumb fast. You yeah. Know? That's the biggest confirmation, right? When, when yeah. it comes to sales. If the sales is coming in and if it's selling out in two hours, then you already oh, know. And one more thing. Yeah. It got younger. It got so much younger, like almost by like four or five years just huge, you know, because a lot of the people that are like into health and and, and wellness and like holistic lifestyles, that shit you get into later on in life. You really, people start reading up on Dr. Sebi when they're 30. (laughs) They start like truly implementing it when they're 35. And then by the time they're 40, you know, you call them quote unquote hoteps. I don't know if that's a bad word or whatever, you know, but. Kind of is. (laughs) It is. It might be a bad word. A little bit. (laughs) You know. Wait, wait. Can you break this down? What is, what is this? Hoteps? What is is a hotep? Well, I think it comes from the word imhotep, which was like an ancient Egyptian semi-prophet. You know, yeah, something like that. Yeah. The word Imhotep kind of it represents knowledge of self. And, you know, 
I guess for lack of a better word, knowledge yourself and your third eye is open, right? Y'all ever heard that? My third eye is open. So So wait, wait. Like, should I stop saying hotep? So should I not say that? Or what is that? Well, if if there's somebody that you consider to be a hotep, do not call them a hotep. Okay. You know? But I can say this shit. It just sounds bad overall. It's not like me saying chink or something, right? It's not like that. It's not like saying, no, it's it's not. No, it's not as bad. Some people might be offended by it. Okay. <laughs> wait, so wait. So these are the motherfuckers who don't, if they have a headache, they don't take an aspirin, right? Like they take, they like suck on some mint leaves or some shit like that. Is that what this I is? I mean, I don't know what they do, but they preach a <laughs> holistic, organic lifestyle. You know what I'm saying? Alternative like medicine. My point was that the, the older segment of the everyday people, you know, I guess attendees uh, who subscribe to an alternative medicine lifestyle, which I get, you know, I fucks with it. It has a lot of benefits. They weren't able to come, unfortunately. And then younger people like college grads who get vaccinated every six weeks to live on campus anyway. Right. Yeah. They was just like, just stick it in my veins. Where to party at? And so we, I looked up in June. I was like, this crowd is so damn young. And it made it. I'm going to keep it a whole buck. Vaccinated people are more straight, more square more i'm not gonna use the word basic but the unvaccinated people them is the cool motherfuckers man because they experiment with everything <laughs> drugs piercings sexuality they experiment mean, with everything it all makes sense it all <laughs> and so i never heard it put that, that way but that makes so much sense of everyday people between july 4th and um august 15th where we were able to do vaccine or test i think those were like the best parties of the summer because we were able to have everybody from the community you know what i mean momo i had a question did you have to shift the music uh, because of the drop in age yeah because yeah. The, the young people they all kind of came up with afro beats mm-hmm. you know and they all kind of came up with a lot of the dance hall and a lot of the soca so i was able to do that but like the really deep r&b classics really deep like we used to do i really had to lay off of that i used to do these uh kind of like black rock sets when my crowd was more like industry yeah. you know i play like kanye black skinheads i play kenna say goodbye to love into nirvana all of that i just kind of had to shelve the more eclectic stuff but still like to me i'm all for youth you know what i'm saying i'm always pushing for youth so if you can maintain your crowd at a certain age or get it younger that's just going to be that's going to bode well for your party you're going to be able to like I mean, we're entering, that was the 10th summer of everyday people. And I don't usually, I don't do anniversaries because I don't want to age a party, but yeah. you're not supposed as a party to, to last that long. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and then Were attract you, a, a younger demographic, which is in, very, in the process. Yeah. yeah which is very That's hard we to play do. hip hop. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people that age out, the old heads, you see them on Twitter. They're anti-Drake. They're anti-Travis. I'm like, they're anti-little baby. I'm like, yo, you're just pissing in the wind, my boy. Like, you got to get with the times. That's like the language of the youth. That's what they're into. Uh, At the last Elsewhere, when Dana was on the roof, I was downstairs in the club. I ran like six or seven songs from uh, Certified Lover Boy. Yeah. Mm. I played the entire second half of Champagne Poetry. Oh, really? Um, It hit. It hit. You know, I just wish... It had a beat that dropped like international players anthem and yeah. it would have made it perfect right nice. i played uh poppy's home right daddy's yeah, yeah. huge 
that is <laughs> no new friends in the industry or some shit like that. Right. Obviously, way too sexy. And I even played TSU. TSU went TSU was popping. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. TSU is definitely popping. TSU is the shit. That's like yeah. my favorite song on the fucking album, man. So anyway, you want to keep like your the... crowd young, keep them vaccinated, and play Drake. <laughs> <laughs> Dana, how how was it with you with it with your party, and then just like navigating through the city and shit like that? Was it just like a headache? Were you getting? Did you have to do vaccination only and and everything? Oddly enough, we haven't done any parties since after May. We kind of did like a um, a spring series with the Bronx Brewery, so that was like before all of the mandates, like serious mandates, started happening. Yeah, yeah. So we haven't dived into that yet. However, you guys are getting a exclusive listen on this. Uh, we're gonna be doing our next tacos y cerveza on November sixth. November sixth so. in New York. Nice. Yeah, we haven't announced it yet, but I, I just announced it right now. Wait, guys. what day of the week is that? Is that a Saturday? That's or a Saturday. That's a Saturday. Saturday. Okay, yeah, good, that's... good, because I might need you on Sunday, but we're going to get into that later. <laughs> we're going to get into that later. Wait, so what is Tacos of Sylvester's? What is that party? What What are y'all playing? Like, what's the dynamic what we... over there? Yeah. Yo, our crowd, um, they want to hear everything. They want to hear Jersey Club. They want to hear Bailey Funk. They want to hear Trap. They want to hear Dembo, of course. They definitely want to hear Soka. It's weird because it's like our demographic is like a lot of like Latin Latinx people. Um, but those are the like the type of Latinx people that want to hear soca. They want to hear Caribbean music. They want to hear Jersey Club. They don't want to hear the typical, I guess, like uptown sets that one would hear up there. You right. know, they get weird and and funky, and they want to jump up and down while eating tacos and catching a, a a waistline with a girl or a guy, whatever you're into. You know, so our crowd is uh, our crowd is very fun. That's very dope. fun. It's weird. Yeah. That, it's weird that your party is called Tacos y Cervezas because. Like growing up in New York, right? Like I mm-hmm. could never find a good like tacos. Like there was there was nowhere to get tacos. Like it was. It's, <laughs> so for me, yeah, how did you guys come up with that? Yeah, yeah. So too. for me, for for tacos to be in the title of a New York party sounds crazy to me. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I come up with the name. So shout outs to my business partner slash best friend Aliana. Yeah. Um, we would always grab tacos like after school together, like always. And really? even like we yeah, even what? like when we went our- Where would you go to get yeah, them? Where would you go get tacos now? Like put us on a game. What's up? Where where's this tacos and There's shit? There's this specific truck. <clears throat> it doesn't have a name. It's this this specific truck on ninety sixth street. It's it's in the upper west side. You right, wait, wait, go- right there, my crib? I li- I live uh, I live uh, on ninety seven. It's on Broadway like- though, right? Yeah, literally on Broadway. I see yeah, it yeah, all yeah. the time. Yeah, I see it all the time. Yeah, that that truck has been there for years, like years, years, the, years. Yeah, Quicker, how you missed that, man? <laughs> Yo, that's just right there. You, your block. I'm telling you, like it doesn't look like legit. It looks like it looks like some shit. Like, no, no, no. Uh, it looks because I think of like New York, and I'm like taco truck. I'm like, get the fuck out of here! Like, what was that? Like, I'm not gonna eat that shit. That shit look crazy. Yeah, that's the neighborhood I grew up in. Um, oh, really? You're from the up? You're from the Upper West? Yes, I'm from the Upper West Side. Oh one shit! Off We're like fucking neighbors. Yeah. That's crazy. So you went, you went to PS 163 when you was growing up? PS 75. PS 75. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So you know, as we you know got older, um, we started drinking beers. Like her and I, we would go like after parties to get like beers and tacos, and I'm like yo why don't we just throw a party called tacos y cerveza like i think people will love it um she was like yo let's run with it so that's kind of how we got the name 
um, just sharing that bond with each other over tacos and beer. That's dope. How long y'all been doing it? We've been doing TYC since 2015. However, um, since I was in college and focused on that, um, we kind of took a break and then we started it up again in 2018. So we've been consistent since 2018. Mm. So you got, you got a good two summers out of it until COVID hit. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And then we you're coming on, back in November strong. Coming back in November strong. We just did a uh, collaboration series with the Bronx Brewery. Uh, they gave us like our own beer. We did like a beer collaboration with them, which was very, very cool. Oh, nice. Yeah, so that that was great. That turnout was great. Great. Every single weekend was packed. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure if the other DJs throw events, but Moma, you know how it is. Yo, I'm at the door. Can you come get me? Like, it's it's, it's crazy, you know? So November 6th, right, is the next one. Do you get the ta- same taco truck to host your event? Or is it like, where's the tacos coming from? <laughs> no. no, we usually um, find like a private cater, caterer okay. um, to like tacos for us. Yeah, that way we're not handling that stuff. I, I, I got a question about Orlando. You said you... I mean, we were talking about how you had to cancel Orlando and shit. What, yes. Why Orlando? Because like I was talking to my boy back in the day, and I was like, I noticed just like yo, I don't see Puerto Ricans no more, right? Like I don't see Puerto Rican as many Puerto Rican people in New York anymore. Because I be coming, I I visit from I visit from Vegas, right? So I come back home and I'm like, yo, where's all the port? I feel like I don't see any Puerto Ricans anymore. Like there's no Puerto Ricans, and he's like, yo, they in all Orlando. moved to Orlando. So I was like, yo, is, is Orlando like a big Mecca for like Dominicans and Puerto Ricans right now that you would throw a tacos y cervezas over there? Or like what made you choose Orlando? Um, so actually that's my first time ever hearing that. Um I do now that you <laughs> now that you say that, I do have a lot of cousins that have migrated over there. So right. that makes sense. Um, but actually we have some homies down in Orlando that moved from New York down there. And oh, they're man. like killing handle scene down there and they're like yo like let's bring it down here we think it'll be great so essentially what we wanted to do was we wanted to set up like a little weekend tour we wanted to do orlando and then miami the next day however the miami thing didn't end up working out because um i don't know the miami area is like really small and like there's not that much there weren't that much venues that were gonna like give us the date because it's labor day is a busy weekend everyone's doing something labor day weekend Mm. um so it was very difficult for us to find a venue in time. So we put the pieces together um, for the venue in Orlando. We had some homies help us out and they were excited, man. I was excited too. That was going to be a really dope one, but you know, unfortunately yeah. we yeah. back on it. So. Well, we look, we looking forward to November 6th. It's going to be crazy. Yeah. Dana, you said that uh, one of your formats for your party is a uh, Jersey club. You have a background in a uh, Jersey club, correct? Yes. Yes, I do. Yeah. I saw yes. one of your border set rooms, um, brother room sets, and you were like just killing it. Oh, and it man. was really refreshing because I'm not used to seeing, um, I guess, like a black or Latino crowd, like really, really party into a Jersey club. You know what I mean? It's, there's a stigma, at least on the West Coast, that's like a white thing a little bit. Really? Yeah, you wouldn't know it. But on the West Coast, Jersey club, we we, we were trained to think like Italian, like that whole market, like Jersey Shore market, they love the Jersey Club shit. You know what I mean? So that was so in your boardroom set, I was like, damn, this is ill. Like watching this this dope DJ just kill this Jersey Club shit. You know what I mean? I mean, Dane, I'm gonna let you, I'm gonna let you run with that one, but it's a hundred percent black art form out here. Yeah. Yeah. One hundred percent. Yeah. You know, Jersey some, Club, Baltimore mm-hmm. Club, 
Philly yeah. club, all his club music. I feel like I on the West Coast, there's a stigma that it's not. Well, I think. And so I'm a, glad we can talk about this. Yeah, but it's like Baltimore Club in the early 2000s. You know, it was getting introduced. Mm-hmm. I feel like to the West Coast by white DJs who were remixing yes. their own kind yeah. of shit. So yeah. I think a like lot Dip- of like Diplo. Yeah, yeah. And I like think the Diplos, the Four yeah. Bs. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's the face of it. Um, in the eyes of the West Coast person, you know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. So, like for, for the West Coast with Jersey Club, you know, it's definitely a lot of like white producer, white DJs who are remixing Jersey Club remixes and they're getting introduced to Cali. So, mm-hmm. I think it in the West Coast it has that stigma, but it's not. It's uh, no, we got yeah. our own people flying the flag out here, man. Like yeah, DJ yeah. Unique, I think she was yeah. just Unique is killing on the cover in, in DJ Mag. Yeah, um, Chloe sampled one of her songs for that new single that she got chloe and Haley. um so we got we got faces that we're able to like attach to the actual sound to remind us that it's 100 percent a black art form here it hasn't yeah. been whitewashed really? yet you know yeah yeah essentially <laughs> he said yet though he said you know the whites you know the is this still a big out in new york jersey club is this i think it's huge one? with like um kind of like the younger crowd you know under 30 uh-huh. it's it's become like integral to the dj nights kind of like when we introduced soca to our sets in like the mid 2000s yeah. all the younger djs are introducing jersey club as like the high energy the super high energy because you gotta understand soca doesn't go off everywhere you know yeah. uh not and not all of them little parties in in bushwick and like ridgewood and and those parts of um of Brooklyn that are maybe like more, a bit more hipster. I don't know what they call hipster nowadays, but, uh, and also like in, in, in the, in lower Manhattan, some of those places, Soka is not part of the equation, but mm. Jersey club kind of brings that same, you know, 80 BPM, 160, 150 BPM kind of energy. And, yeah. it, you know, and, and they flip everything. They flip all the current songs mm-hmm. into yeah. Jersey club. So it's not like just some random underground shit, you know? Well, what's like the top five Jersey club songs for you, Dana? Bangers. And, um, wait, wait, before you a- say that, before you say that, make sure you look at these three motherfuckers' faces while you do that. They're going to be taking notes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, got my, I got my short hands. I'm, I could be writing it down right now. <laughs> so, okay, I'm going to say this off rip. This is in no order. I don't want to get in trouble because I actually personally know these guys that I'm going to mention. Okay. So this is no order. <laughs> um... DJ Big O pop that. I'm sure all of you guys have heard that. They yeah. still play that to this day wow. yeah unique did a remix to skepta's record i don't know why man's calling me family all of a sudden like hmm my mom don't know your mom stop telling man you're my cousin i've got day ones and i've got new ones no fake ones trust no one it's boy better know till i die gang root in the 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 gang Amazing. Top five. Um, I Marquise, his Blocky D remix, sick. (laughs) 
who's actually, I consider him like a mentor to me. Um, he has a remix. He remixed Kanye's record. It's called Send It Up. That's a really good one. I'm, how much did I mention? Four? I, I have four. One, one. Yeah. one more. Um, one more. Damn. I'm going to say DJ Todd's Disclosure, uh, Latch Remix. I don't get in trouble. <laughs> you got a uh, you got seventy five percent of the listeners that are road podcast on Google right now. <laughs> everything you just mentioned. Matter of fact, let's. I'm gonna add a sixth one. I'm gonna throw my own record in there. Please um, do. It's actually an original record. It's called Best Friend. I'll send it to you guys. It's by right. me and uh, DJ Hook. If you with your best friend, point her out. Best friend, point her out. You with your best friend, point her out. If she got that donkey. If you with your best friend, point her out. Best friend, point her out. You with your best friend, point her out. If she got that donkey. Point her out. If she got that donk. Point her out. If she got that donk. Point her out. If she got that donk. She got that. She got that donk. Point her out. If she got that donk. Point her out. If she got that donk. Point her out. If she got that donk. If you want our listeners to f- fuck with it, we'll put a link in the description so they could download it if you if you want for them. No problem. Okay. <laughs> uh, what do you call it? Yo, so Dana, I know you've worked with Mo, right? And on on our last podcast uh, that Moma was on. You know, he talked about, you know, how he was going to approach the DJ lineup for everyday people this year. You know, and and he spoke a lot about how he's not going to book, you know, these these, you know, these DJs who he has to save or he has to like over micromanage because they're going to lose the room or they're going to lose the crowd. You know what I'm saying? Or they go in too early. They don't respect the next DJ. You know, they playing for themselves and not for the room and not for the vibe. And I and uh, or they show up ten minutes before they set and they each repeat the same songs. Right. That's the worst. So basically, Momo was against the you know the ten DJs being booked at an event like kind of thing and just stacking on these DJs, kind of like oh well, you know everyone has a following. They're gonna bring their their crowd, and then if we add you know twenty plus twenty plus twenty times the DJs that are here, we're gonna have a decent crowd show up. Like almost like lazy promoting in a certain way, right? is what what was happening but you know he changed that this year so i was just i was just wondering you know for you to be on the everyday people is kind of like an honor it means like yo you can hold the room down and he likes you as a dj and everything and uh and i was kind of you know working with mo and uh and mo i want you to kind of add to this like have you had any backlash from djs or any any djs throughout the year that that you normally would have booked that you didn't book this year like was it was it a stern diss? What, 
Like how? No, how is it? not not at all. Because the thing when when everyday people first came back, it it's an event for everybody to attend, including DJs, right? And wait, wait, so and you, of, just for the record, you did the first couple of everyday peoples. You did all like eight hours, or I don't know how long. Yeah, you the did first this. three I DJed the entire event. You know, because th there was one thing that I was concerned about. It's like nobody has really been doing events for 18 months or 16 months. Right. So nobody had been in front of an audience and a lot of people had been on Twitch, which is great. Like they got to go in like some bags. They got to go deeper into certain bags. But that doesn't doesn't really inform what you do in front of an audience. So the last thing I wanted was like this disjointed set of like six or seven people just shaking off the rust, you know, and I thought because I have more experience at the very least, even if it's somewhat basic, I can do something that's going to hold a room together for six or seven hours with an arc that's going to make sense. It also really did it because I wanted to be able to introduce Amapiano in a way that makes sense. And the way to introduce Amapiano in a way that makes sense is to play during the sixth or seventh hour. But you got to keep everybody until that point and then they get it. So I did that for the first three or four. And then eventually I was like, all right, I feel like the musical identity of everyday people is back in place. And it's time for me to like reintroduce my favorite DJs, the ones who've come to everyday people this summer, who've seen what I've been doing, uh, you know, like Rich Knight, Fannie Mae, Silent Addy, Dana Lou, Millhouse. Um, I forgot who else I booked. We booked and Blue Jr., a collective of DJs that I trust to just not like not go ham and play Essence and Gallus every hour on the hour, you know? <laughs> and I think it, wor it worked out really well. And eventually at some point I ran out of steam too, cause it's a lot of work. Yeah, it's yeah. a lot of work to like, you know, hold these rooms over for like seven or eight hours. And, um, it's, and emotionally it's a lot of work, right? Mm -hmm. Cause you can't be up there all blase. You really gotta like, give it to people so they feel like this is exciting to you as well as i was running out of steam i was like all right now's a good time to bring back all my favorite djs the one dj i couldn't get i tried really hard schedules didn't align is uh get live you know live. initially i had dana and get live booked for one event i was like this is going to go so crazy i forgot the date but it got canceled oh september 12th can, can, I tell, can I tell you that Get Live did a set in Vegas and and I think most of us were over there for that and he fucking crushed that shit. He murdered. Yeah, he had that an shit. amazing set. Yeah, so oh, no, it was crazy. Hey, yo, favorite, hey, yo, I gotta DJ. I gotta say something, man. His mic voice is insane. Like that motherfucker's yep. mic crazy. voice is crazy. Like I was like, whoa, he sounded like Kid Capri, like like a twenty twenty one Kid Capri. I was like, oh shit, he sounded nah, good. Now my game yeah. selection. Technically, with the cuts, timing, you know, he, he he's the complete package. And, I, you know, I think he's too humble. You know? He's too humble. I think he's too yeah. humble. Yo, I'm going to tell you I think right, he's better I'm than 99.9% yeah. .9 of the DJs in I'm New York, and he's just too humble. I'm going to tell you right now, as far as a DJ that can play old school classics, beat breaks, like I've heard him play salsa. I played him, like, I, you know, on live stream. I mean, he's probably one of the top tier DJs that I'm like, this motherfucker is nasty. He's maybe one of the best that I've heard in a long time coming from New York. Uh, I agree. Shout to I Get agree. Live. And what I heard in Vegas, what he did with this like all Latin crowd and he just effortlessly went through different genres and hit him and just, he just dropped records that like, I was like, holy shit. Like who drops, you know, Kaita like from the one, you know, but makes it sound yeah. good. Like doesn't lose the energy of the crowd. Like just dropped it. I was like, oh shit. Like 
he was just killing it with his mic game and everything. And shout to him, man. Summer 20, um, 22. I'm not hoping, but I'm assuming that COVID is going to be endemic. You know, it's just going to yeah. be a part of life. And at that point, if you're vaccinated, you're vaccinated. If you're not, you're not. And, you know, th- there won't be any vax mandates or testing mandates because it's just going to be endemic. And it's going to be uh, the viral load is going to be so low that you just get COVID and you get sick. Like yeah, it's yeah. like it's a cold or like it's the flu. That's that's what I'm hoping, because yeah, the, the vaccination versus not vaccination, it's creating a lot of like barriers and separations and it's just typical for what's going on in America for the past four or five years, pretty much. It's just like it's just it's affecting pretty much everything. But, yeah, I mean, back to what you were talking about, Mo, pretty much, you know, with the whole lineup. Dana, I, I yeah. saw a tweet that you tweeted out maybe a few weeks ago. Maybe it was a month ago. Maybe it was longer than that. But I, I remember you were like agreeing with him saying like, yo, I wish I could do a long set. Like, I wish I could do a six hour set. And whatnot, and I, you know, as a DJ coming up nowadays, you know, um, is that just impossible to have nowadays to to really just DJ from from open to close at a venue? Like, is that something? Because because us coming into the game, that's how we that's how we came into the game. We had to DJ from open to close, but probably the opportunities now is is really, you know, just doing one hour sets at a with all of these DJs piled on to an event. And I'm wondering, like, how is the game right now, like? I mean, depending on the events that you're doing, that's, you know, the normal standard is an hour, maximum two hours. You're not really seeing DJs doing, like Moma does, six-hour sets anymore. Um, One, I don't think um, a lot of DJs where I'm from have the capacity to even last that long or have the range to even last that long, yeah? So, yeah, that's just become the standard, just one to two-hour sets, and that's pretty much it. I actually did a four-hour set at um, Rise Radio. MoMA actually inspired that. Um, Yo, and I was tired by, like, hour two. I'm like, God damn, I'm, like, still standing. I got two hours left to go. But, you know, I pushed through to it. But you're you're high energy out the gate, you know? You're high energy out the gate. Sometimes I'm like, damn, Dana's been killing it. She must have been on for two hours. She's been on for 17 minutes, right? (laughs) Because you're just, like, burning shit down, you know? But... I think in, in, in the space of one hour sets, that's exactly how you're supposed to do it. You know, you just got to come out the gate strong. But uh, in the span, when you're doing like longer sets, I'm, you ha- you have to pace yourself. Yeah. And sometimes you have to take some off the mm-hmm. gas and, and you see like you see the DJs in the crowd looking at you like, why is he playing this corny shit? I'm like, bro, we're here for another five and a half hours. Like right. you have no clue what we're doing. We're pacing this so we don't burn the people's energy out and don't burn our energy out you know Dana, mm-hmm. Dana when you did the four hour set though isn't that like the most gratifying shit like it's like the most the best feeling when you do like this long set and you're like that was amazing it's like to me it beats doing an hour set like I could have had the craziest hour set anywhere and it would have been turned but when you do four hours or five hours it's like there's this gratification that you have like wow like you're like emotionally physically tired but it's just like ah, it's just like you just played like a like a finals game like the playoffs or some shit right (laughs) yeah certainly i threw my hands up when i was finished like wow like i did it like i was so you know (laughs) i got to play a lot of music that i 
you know, normally wouldn't play at, at the events that I play at, which, you know, that took me back. It was like, wow, like I really should start digging again because that's how I started by not really playing the typical stuff, you know? Um, so that inspired me to want to start digging again and just, you know, playing differently. So. At Rise Radio, is there an audience or is this like a live stream? Oh, it's both, actually. Um, so it's a live stream, but you can have people coming in and out, grabbing food, hanging out in the back or standing in front of you and just vibing out with you. So it's both mixture so of both. What I try to tell a lot of DJs is like with these six hour sets, seven hour sets, all you really got to do is get through the first three and a half hours. I know it doesn't sound like that easy, but that's all you got to do, because the remaining three hours is a walk in the park because if you got everybody grooving with you halfway through after that you can literally play anything you play gap band outstanding they're singing along shaka khan like records that maybe would not break the room open in the first three hours they just everything's a banger in the second half of the party because everyone bought into what you're doing mm -hmm. and they're progressively getting drunker like that's literally part of the game you know, and yeah. sometimes I'm I'm looking at the crowd and I'm yelling at Sinclair in Maine. I'm like, why are they so sober? What's going on? And they're like, well, they only have like two bartenders on this side. Nobody can get a drink. And I'm like, y'all are making my life really hard. Like I'm at the point of the night where I need everyone to be lit. You know what I'm saying? So I can play like some soldier boy or whatever. You know, yeah. but six hour sets, seven, let's, we got to demystify them. They're not that hard. You just got to get a, you got to get through the first half. And then in the second half, you can virtually do what you want as long as you played well. I feel like the first mm -hmm. the first time you do a four to six hour set, you pretty much got the grasp of like, oh, shit, I, I know what to do next time. And then as you keep doing it, you just you're like, I know what to do. I know what to do because it's just but, getting I mean, over we, that first one. We knew now. what we knew what to do because we heard DJs in the club. Right. Yeah. We heard like, I'm like all right. So you're going to open up with like some classics R&B. Oh, now we're playing John B. OK, now we're playing a little bit newer R&B. Okay, I get it. Oh, now we're playing old school classics. Everybody's dancing really hard. Oh, and now we're playing Busta Rhymes, put your hands where my eyes can see. And I'm like, it's 1230. The party started. You felt mm -hmm. it, right? And then yeah. at some point, they they brought in like the early dance hall set that everybody started playing at midnight. Well, yeah, yeah. I and mean, then, that's, that's an important point that that was there at that time. You know, Dana, let me know if you're done hearing about this old man shit. But like at the time, <laughs> there was like some... <laughs> At the time, there was some structure, right, that we all followed because it was like we took them down. It was like classics, R&B, hip-hop, and then at, towards the end of the night, it was like anything goes. You Actually, it was like classic 80s. You could like mix it all up, and it was a vibe walking in. And then that was in New York, and then when I came to Vegas, it was just a whole nother because we were still doing six-hour sets in Vegas, but it was a whole other approach. It was just like guns blazing from open to close. Because everyone was... Well, we're from 12 o'clock to... Well, from 12 to close. And yeah. the club will open at 10.30. But by 12 o'clock, you got to fucking get that room going. Yeah. No, but right. even... Come keep on. It going. But fam, there were certain... <laughs> there were some times in the, in like in the, in those big rooms at 11, it was fucking packed. You had to just go in, but not yeah. go in. You know what I mean? Like, so it was like, it was like nonstop. It wasn't like, oh, I could just play some we could, shit. You couldn't warm up. Nah. You could take an hour and a half to warm up. You just got to go in right away. Yeah. And keep it going. Yeah. Till like, I think what our hours were like 1030 to four and then sometimes yeah. five or 6 a.m. So we were doing crazy mm -hmm. sets in Vegas back yeah. then, especially when like Prince would show up at the end of the night and we'd have to keep going till mm -hmm. I don't know. But I, I, just to, before we get off this old man shit. Yeah. I'll, I'll say one thing about like the six hour sets. 
when I used to play six hour sets coming up as like just a working DJ, every time the house lights came on at four, the room was packed. You know, everybody was just done, was still whining on people. People people didn't want to leave. But now, but then I, one thing that happened when I started getting on at 1230 or one, I would find it a lot harder to keep the entire room till four. You know, I'd just be like, I just got to get to three. I'll make it to 315. I did good. All right, it's 3.30, it's clearing out. I did a good job, right? But it's one thing about people going on a, on a journey with one DJ who kind of has an idea of how the night's going to go. Right. And every time, when I used to do the whole night by myself, it was just amazing when the house lights came on and you could see everybody sweating, hair all fucked up, some dude trying to like back some girl or whatever. And that's the one thing that with these sets, the, the longer you play, the easier it gets. You know, it's almost like a, a runner. They have this thing when people run, they call it the runner's high. Yeah. Yeah. So you're running, you get to like mile one or two, mile three, like I'm done. I got nothing left. And then you catch this high midway through mile three. And then you go for like another three miles, you know? Yeah. That's exactly, yo, that's so true because there's also, I think it's a runner's turn when they hit a wall, right? When they just can't go yeah. any. And I feel like sometimes when you DJ, you could just hit a wall. You're like, I don't know what to play next. Like, holy that's shit. That's the worst feeling. Yo, I've yeah. had, <laughs> I literally have nightmares, yo, of like me. I, I've, I've had this nightmare like multiple times of me DJing and I'm spinning and I don't know what to play next. And the song runs out and I still you know. That's a, you know, that's, that's a common, a, that's a that. common dream, right? That's a common dream amongst DJs. Have you? I yeah. just had that dream last night. I've had that. Where I'm like in, a, in front of a huge crowd, and I'm like, I'm trying to cool. search on my laptop, but nothing's coming up. Yeah. I'm searching, but but then so the this... song runs out, and it's dead yeah. air, and everyone's just looking at me, and I'm still thinking, like, yeah. I, like I don't know what to play. So that physically happened to me once because I was DJing my homegirl's birthday party, and it was like all edibles, you know, like the 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 food was infused, you know, it was edibles everywhere, oh, right? Wow. And I had two of these, like, you know. Um, cookies or something and i can't dj high that's my thing and i was so high nothing came to me the only song that came to me was gypsy woman la da di la di da la da di la and i'm playing it and it's running out and i ran it back from the top right and then i was just like i don't know what to play at the time disclosure was huge and i just typed disclosure and I played every Disclosure song by order of BPM <laughs> for about two hours, right? Everyone was so high. When I got off the set, I, in my mind, I was like, this is the worst DJ performance of my life. And everybody was like, yo, you killed it. You were Sound out of your mind. You were unconscious out there. I was like, y'all some high ass motherfuckers. I played Gypsy Woman twice and then ran through 15 Disclosure records by BPM. Damn. There's something about being on their level too. Like you were on their level in that moment. That's right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we talked about that. Like sometimes just having a drink for me just gets me on like a a little level with the crowd and I'm good. Yeah. Versus yeah. being like this sober dude in the DJ booth trying to like DJ to these drunk people. You know what I mean? Dana, Can Dana, I share something that happened to me at Elsewhere? Yeah. yeah. Actually, I want to ask Dana a quick question. Dana, do you, do you drink when you DJ? I've, I've actually been sober for the past couple of weeks. I've been like trying to DJ sober and it's. It's really fucking, it's one of the hardest things I've, I've had to do, yo. It's, it's not easy. Uh, I definitely drink, not all the time, though, but I do more than I don't. But it, it's not easy DJing sober for me. It's not, it's not easy. Because you got to, like, deal with drunk people in your face. And, yeah, yeah. you know, having that block, like, oh, my God, I don't know what to play next. Yeah. When that happens to me, like, 
seven times out of ten, I'll just completely cut the music and talk on the mic while I'm looking. <laughs> For real? <laughs> oh, yeah. wait, you got to hear her mic game. Her mic game is incredible, bro. <laughs> incredible. Like, Thank she can connect with any audience. You know, her voice is just as good, like, on the mic. Some people don't really have a good microphone voice. Her voice is amazing on the mic. And she, she can sell anything, you know? Sometimes I'm... I'm I'm envious. I'm not going to lie. I'm like, she can fucking sell anything out there. You know, that's a superpower. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Our voices are our instruments in itself. So I, I utilize it as much as I can. Um, and it saves me. I'm not going to lie. It saves me a lot of the times when I, I don't know what to play next. <laughs> I'll it's, the whole show. it's so funny how it's like crucial now to be to, to be on a mic. Yo, like you cannot not be on a mic now where like literally almost the whole decade of 2000s like no one was on the mic it was like a fucking rare thing for anybody to be especially on the fucking west coast man you never heard motherfuckers yeah. on the mic on the west coast ever mm -hmm. ever now it's like everyone's on the mic on the west coast edm djs are on the mic yeah you know festival yeah. edm djs are on the mic now they, they used to just like clap right yeah <laughs> and now they're just like one Two, one, two, three, let's go. We got to give them something else to say besides one, two, <laughs> one, two, three. Let's they just go. gotta, they just gotta change the languages, you know, like, oh, do. They have to do like in Spanish and French and all in German and just change this shit up. That's literally That's all right. I see in an EDM recap. It's like when the EDM recap is like one, two, three. And then fucking. And then quiet. it's like compressed air, so you can't even hear a song that's playing. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> oh man, but uh, wait. So Dana, you do you, are you are you looking forward to doing more sets? Like you know, from four to six, is that even possible and shit in New York now? Yeah, um, I think I'm at a point in my career where I kind of want people just want to come out for me, you know, like as an artist. Yeah. Um, I'm working on original like music and content and. You know, my mentor, he mentioned something to me. I'll, I'll never forget this. I tell him this to this day. Um, do you guys remember Pachas, the nightclub Pachas, like back in the day? Pachas, like, like on, on the west side? No, in New York, when like Pachas was open. It was like a really big nightclub, like full of like EDM DJs. Yeah, Pachas. Yeah. Pacha, yeah. Pacha, yeah. Club, yeah. yeah. Um, I got a gig there like once. It was like in the basement and... I was, like, really excited to tell, like, my mentor at the time. I'm like, yo, like, I'm DJing at Pachas. I'm so excited. And he was like, yeah, that's cool, but it would be even better if all those people came out for you. So that always stuck with me, you know? Um, so I think I'm at that point in my career right now where I kind of just want, like, you know, people coming out for me, moving as an artist, you know? So I'm doing that transition between artist and uh, DJ. So... Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, I mean, they 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 complement one another. And then the fact that you have your own parties, TYC, you know, that means you can you can program yourself to DJ five, six hours for whatever you want to do. You know, sir. Yeah, certainly. Certainly. It's been an interesting thing, like uh, like uh, DJs, you know, becoming the front man and having followings like that, like a strong following like that. So here's a question I have. As you start, like you, Danny, you were saying, like moving as an artist, like I want to be kind of DJing like an artist. Do you do you have a fear of losing those like working DJ roots sometimes? Like having your, I feel like sometimes they can be a disconnect with that shit. Sometimes if you if you're not on like the working DJ, like kind of just constantly, 
you know, taking these certain gigs and, and treating yourself like an artist, do you think there's a disconnect? Because like recently there was a tweet from Kate Trinata, right, that went viral on, on fucking Twitter. He was basically, I don't know, a lot of working DJs felt like he was shitting on them and blah, blah, blah. But Kate Trinata tweeted out, you know, DJs have to step up their selection now because, boy, if I hear What's Love one more time and everyone just went at this motherfucker like, who the fuck is Kate Trinata to talk about? This about working working DJs and what the fuck they playing and what's being played in the clubs when he's not technically a DJ DJ. He's more of a producer DJ. First of all, let me say I love what's love. Um, I'm always going to rock out when I hear that record. I don't care where I'm at. I don't care if I'm the most famous DJ out ever or if I'm still, you know, local. It doesn't matter. I love what's love. Um, yeah, I do think there's a sort of a disconnect. And you asked if, if I'm afraid of losing that working dj hustle is that what you said well it's just that 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 perspective you know what i'm saying like you can get Mind disconnected straight. if you're just doing all these big events you blow up and you're not doing the working shit and then you know you just kind of you get disconnected it's like ce- celebrity life man like they just get the yeah. disconnect they don't know what regular motherfuckers are doing i mean we had an issue yeah. with this like like years ago between a track kind of talking about the the you know, basically the hustle of working DJs and everyone's like, yo, you've never been a working DJ. So why the fuck are you speaking on that shit? You know, it was that was between A-Track and Rocticon at one point. I mean, yeah, that is something that I am afraid of, you know, coming across. But I don't know until I get there, man. I don't know. <laughs> you know, so right now, Dana Lou's still a working DJ and yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm my ear still to the streets. Um, you know, so I'm just working every day and we'll see what happens. I don't know. What do you, I'm well, sorry. I'll tell you, I'll tell you it, for me, I think it, it applies to me more because the older I get, the more I get disconnected with shit and I have to like truly make an effort. So shout out to my guy, Millhouse. Millhouse knows when I was in Zanzibar in South Africa, I was just playing Afro beats and dance hall and African music and what have you. And then I came back to the States in April. I was like, Millhouse, I need to know what the fuck is going on. And he gave me a Dropbox of everything that was new. You know, a lot of New York drill shit, a lot of uh, money bag. Yo, I was like, this guy came up during the pandemic. Right. And a lot of like low baby stuff. And, yo, I went through it and I was like, man, I don't want to be no old head. But I'm like, there was no way that people can be into this money bag. Yo, shit. Right. That was in my head. I was like. I'm not feeling it. And Milhouse was like, nah, man, the shit goes hard. I, I think it goes hard on social media. I haven't heard anyone play Moneybag, yo, all summer. You know what I'm saying? Matter mm-hmm. of fact, a lot of the new music that people were playing was either like Afrobeats, Afro-Caribbean, subcultural shit. And then, you know, Drake, uh, you know, whenever Drake drops something new, uh, a lot of the, the women rappers, uh, whether it's like, you know, City Girls, Megan Thee Stallion, uh, there's a whole lot of money in this motherfucker. That's yeah. the shit that people were playing. Nobody was truly playing all this like, oh baby, money bag yo. And there's a whole bunch of artists that I have in a crate that I never touched because every time I dropped it, it bombed. You know, so I have to do a concerted effort to like sit down with people like Millhouse, people like Dana Lou, and be like, what the fuck is going on? And then when I listen to it, I really have to like take that word as the gospel because sometimes I don't hear it. You know, but what's that? There's a really big song. Is it called 
back back to something back oh. in blood back Bruce in blood Justin. so that's huge right right yeah oh but, yeah but when i heard yeah. it we let it yeah when i heard it in that folder that's pooch ice and little dirty yeah. 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 okay so a lot of pooch ice shit i haven't played all summer right yeah. but when when millhouse gave me that folder and i heard back in blood it did not stand out from the other songs mm. but he was like no that's the one yeah and he was right that was the one <laughs> But yeah. I didn't know that the second verse was the the one, second verse, right? Yeah, the little Dirk verse, yeah. So the first time I played it at Everyday People, it was so flat. I mixed out. I was like, I'm getting the fuck out of this immediately. And then I was like, no, 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 you got to play the second verse. So then eventually I played the second verse and I saw the reaction. But if your ears are not to the streets, like it's it's hard to know that stuff. You know, luckily I DJ a lot with Silent Addy. You know, he's up on everything. Yeah, yeah. So I get to hear it like firsthand. Shout out to Silent Addy, man. He was killing yeah. it. Well, I mean, I mean, how do y'all feel about that kitchen out of tweet? I, and and just everything that's going on with Twitter right now, like, you know, throughout the whole year, like DJ Twitter's been like canceling songs. They've been saying, you know, assistance played out. They've been saying they've just been listening to a whole bunch of songs and shit. That is Swag out. Surfing was one too. Swag Surfing was trying to be oh, can- yeah. they're trying to cancel that shit off LA. Any DJ in LA should not play Swag Surfing. <laughs> That's what they were saying and shit. But you know what's yeah. funny? I think What's Love, particularly that song, is one of the forefront records for a whole age group of people that are now throwing the parties, especially those mid 2000 parties. What's Love is a staple to trying to be like, you know, Trying to kind of like shun that song off is kind of real crazy to do so. And also, it didn't hurt that it was just um, Ja Rule and Fat Joe was did verses, and that's like both of their songs. Yeah, and, and you know, to me, Fat Joe, Ja Rule, as much as you want to clown Ja Rule, him, Fat Joe, Ashanti, those are like local New York City treasures. You know what I'm saying? Like, absolutely, go man. with these people. Like, that's our youth. Like. That's such a golden era for us coming up. So I just think that tweet was misplaced um, because, you know, producer DJs, they get booked to play their own music. So they walk into a room and they have a captive audience. When you have a captive audience, you can play whatever you want. You play your own music and then you can play your influences. So you're only digging from these bags where everything is just amazingly esoteric and like original and all of that. So they play to a captive audience. Mainstream DJs, the opposite. Our crowd is totally inattentive, right? We got to get their attention and we got to play the songs they like. We got to play the songs that they grew up on and that it's virtually a karaoke night, right? And, and when we got them, when we really got them, then we can introduce something new. Something like super cool and esoteric, yeah. but we can't stay in that bag for too long because we're going to lose their lose their it. focus. So it's it's apples and oranges, you know. <laughs> Somebody like Kate Trinata shouldn't be talking about what's love and you know, and then like some guy who's just slaving at some random bar playing to NYU kids shouldn't be trying to introduce some deep UK remix or some shit. You know what I'm saying? And I think it was funny how like working club DJs didn't give a shit about shitting on Keitranada and just like talking shit to him on Twitter. And then you would see these other DJs who like really look up to Keitranada and they were finding nice ways of being like, yo, you kind of wrong for this tweet. You sound kind of like crazy for saying this shit. 
Like these motherfuckers, so someone they were like totally like wait, someone was saying um let me read some of this shit. It was pretty funny from Shy Dooley. If you're a DJ, don't ever play any popular songs. Yeah, the peasants might like it, but the high fashion influence in the corner will hear it. Then your career is over. And then and then shout to C Flow. He said non-working DJs, celeb headliners, etc. Telling working DJs what they should or shouldn't play just painfully uh, shows how out of touch they are. I, th- I think it's incredible how like sensitive DJs are right now. They just this is Katrina's response. I see people getting mad at this one, result in saying that I can't DJ after all. Y'all totally missed the point. There's a lot of amateurs that get a gig and then they play that song. Something's wrong with them. I just want to push their creativity when it comes to their song selection. You know, he tried kind of like walk it back a little, but you can't deny the intention behind the original tweet. It's like he heard it and he was like, oh, another fucking working stiff playing the same ass boring song. And that's why he tweeted it. And that's why I hate Twitter, man, because Twitter takes you in like the darkest corners of people's minds. And it's usually negative. (laughs) That's why I try not to tweet anything like negative because. Like my draft folder in Twitter is full of shit that I would never send, you know, and it's not even like controversial. I'm always like, all right, if you were to read this tweet in the morning, would you say to yourself, I oh, just an indulgent asshole? I'm like, yeah, delete. I, I, and people can't help themselves. Somebody as big and rich and famous and he has awards, you know, Katrinata has awards. He has a Grammy. Shouldn't be tweeting some shit. Grammys. Like yeah, he yeah, he has a Grammy. Grammy. Yeah. He shouldn't be a shitting on the DJ who played that song and b shitting on Fat Joe, Ja Rule, and Ashanti indirectly. Like, <laughs> just you—you you should have been elevated beyond all of this. I, That's I, all I got. I have say. a question: How often is he spinning? I've—I've I've never, I've never seen him spin. I've never. He gets booked for private events and festivals. His street number right now is like hundred racks, one hundred and fifty k. Like he's out of here. You know what I'm saying? I, I believe he went on tour. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, or it hadn't, or it hasn't started yet. I, I always think it's crazy when when motherfuckers at, at, and in his like position and his stature right now has to like say something about something so minuscule. Do you know what I mean? Like he was in a lounge. And he, for for you to tweet out shitting on a DJ about playing Fat Joe, it doesn't make any sense. Like that would be the last shit I would say. Ego, man, ego's a motherfucker. Yeah. Fake humility is a motherfucker. That's my least favorite thing out there. <laughs> Fake humble people, you know. <laughs> and that's the good thing about Twitter is because everybody, when you meet them in real life, is mad humble. Oh, Big Brother Moma, you're my hero. Blah blah blah. This, that, and the third. And then you read their tweets. You know what I'm saying? And you'd be like, if you conduct yourself with such humility in real life, but then you tweet like such egotistical shit. Yeah. Then I know that's fake humility when I see you, you know, and then I know not to fuck with you. So a lot of the people that's like on Twitter all day long, they got to know that you can't separate your Twitter persona from who you are. Well, I was going to ask that. Should I be separating a motherfucker from his Twitter? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, should I be separating that shit? Nah. Tweets is literally... The, it's a it's a look it's like being john malkovich bro it's like being in someone's head you can separate yeah. people from their instagram because instagram is all fake you know what i'm saying but Every, everything like on instagram is a, is a photo shoot it's so crazy it's so crazy because some of the most like to me one of the, some of the most like biggest talking this shit in this motherfuckers i i know and I've, i i see on twitter when I see them in person or when I meet them, they're so soft-spoken. They're like so 
quiet and chill. And and I've talked to them about their tweets, and they're like, nah, that's just a tweet. That's just like, you know, that's just Twitter. Yeah. So I've been like, I've been wondering, like, all right, should I start separating motherfuckers from like the Twitter, from their social media? Is it, do I start separating that shit, or is it? I don't think so. I think maybe you could have 10 years ago when all this shit was popping Instagram, yeah. Twitter. But now it's just part of everybody's life. Like the virtual world is as important as the actual world. It's like a 50 50 split, you know? For some people, they're more virtual than in real life. But for me, it's just, it's just one package. It's everything is part of the energy that you put out there, you know? Every tweet, every Instagram post, you know, the shit you say on the mic at a party, everything is, is part of your energy. I spent last, like, pretty much all of September kind of being off of socials. And, like, I haven't been tweeting. I haven't really been posting on Instagram, which is probably horrible for my DJ career. But, you know, and probably horrible for the podcast as well. But, you know, I just took a break for a month because I was just like, you know, I just didn't want to deal with the shit. But, like, it's, like, the best shit ever not to have to do that shit and to, like, have to, like, interact with some of these motherfuckers and then not having been on on these apps and then like seeing what people are saying on twitter and all of this shit it's just like yo this motherfuckers are crazy like they, they're really they're really like they're just tapped into the matrix too they've been tapped in and plugged in too long i feel like i mean instagram is work you gotta you gotta be on instagram if, if you're selling anything mm-hmm. a party music yeah. that's work right Mm-hmm. Twitter is a hundred percent recreation, you know. Like literally, you're <laughs> on there. You're giving your time to the platform. You're sharing your thoughts for free. There's like a lot of reporters, like journalists, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, all those people, CNN. Twitter is part of their work, right? I think for everybody I think, else is. I think there's a DJ Twitter world that that really complements their 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 brand and their what do you call it their career Um, i think it's just a glorified chat room because it's not like i don't think in my opinion it's just nah i feel like i feel like for some djs when they put up routines or when they put up mixes or they put up like certain certain joints or memes you know like they go viral off of that shit and they gain followers yo you know well you're 100 right but at that point they're using twitter like instagram right pretty much you're bringing in content that was never the the initial intent for twitter Twitter was just like 140 characters, right? But if you're bringing in videos and, you know, importing your TikToks and your Reels, at that point, you're kind of using it like Instagram. I'm talking about the people who are just like, you know, sharing their stream of consciousness every day. There's no money in that. I don't know, man. I feel like there's a lot of dudes who navigate on Twitter and that are that are killing it on Twitter for some reason more than they are on Instagram. And they have like, there's this, so, there's this DJ Twitter that exists that's like, that's just deep in the... You know, deep in the trenches. Uh, but I do see a lot of producer DJs being more successful in that realm than like club DJs, if that makes any sense. I but, agree. I, but I also think producer DJs, I feel like they support each other. You know what I'm saying? Because they know that they need this kind of they need this platform to keep pushing their remixes and everything and have it like retweet. It's kind of like when motherfuckers were commenting on other motherfuckers flyers on Instagram to like show support when really no one gives a fuck about your flyer on Instagram. (laughs) So they were doing like this fake support shit. Uh, (laughs) uh, What do you call it? I want to close this shit out, but um, Dana, what do you, what do you got planned for the, for the rest of the year? You got the November 6th, right? 
Yeah, November 6th, uh, we have TYC, and I'm going to be dropping um, three more mixes. So I'm doing like a mix series called Back to the Basics. Um, I dropped the first one. It was like a dancehall and soca um, kind of edition. Um, I'm dropping the next one. It's going to be reggaeton, dembo, and more. Um, I'm dropping that on Thursday, um, which I'm very, very excited to drop, by the way. I had a lot of fun with that one. Um, and I'm going to be dropping about like maybe one or two remixes before the year's over. And that's it for me for the year. I, I apologize. I'm also dropping merch as well in about uh, a few weeks. So I'm excited about that as well. Yeah. Well, I, I'm yeah. going to be in New what's York. What's the best way to keep up with all your stuff? Is it Instagram? You have a website or Twitter? Which is the best place yeah. for people to find you? Yeah, you could. Um, the best way right now is definitely Instagram. So at DJ Dana Lou, you can find me on there. You can find me on Twitter with my uh, conscious thoughts or right. random, whatever I'm, you know, thinking about at the time. <laughs> um, also find me on SoundCloud, um, YouTube. I'm starting that up. I'm going to be doing some vlog series like next year. Um, so yeah, DJ Dana Lou across all platforms. Dope. Dope. Nice. Right. Yo, Mo, what's good with you? I saw you at the Dreamville tour with Boss performing, killing it with Cole on stage. That's How was right. that? That was that like was a good? home game. That was a family reunion. Yeah, yeah. Unbelievable. Barclays Center sold out. You know, obviously, Boss used to open for Cole, but they have so many songs together. He's like an integral part of the show, and he'll come out midway through the show, do like four or five songs with Cole, and some of his own songs, too, which is and it's dope to see like the audience the whole Barclays, like, put their wow, hands man. in the air. I just saw nothing that but was, recap videos of, uh, you see the drop top bitch, stop playing with me. Now this side, yeah, now that, that side sing it. And yeah. then this side sing it. record going up. Yeah, yeah. The record going up. Um, Damn. I remember seeing Cole at the, um, not the garden, but the side garden. What yeah, was yeah. it called? The theater. It was the called something. Yeah, the theater. The I remember theater seeing the him garden. there. Yeah. And I was like, come a long way from there, man, from selling that, selling that out to selling out the fucking... Bro, one Center? of his first shows was wow. um, when I was doing the, the Good Spot in 2009, I think. And they had just signed to Jay-Z. No, they had just finished uh, Workout. Workout uh-huh. for me. Oh, shit. And I, yeah. and, and I was at Deity in Brooklyn. And they were like, yo, we think we got the single. I was like, yo, pull up. I'm at Deity. Yeah, they wanted to hear it in the club, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. And bumped it in the club. And, you know, it was like it was getting a good reaction. Damn, man. And towards the very end of the track, the Paul Abdul part came on. Right. Yeah. And I was like, wait, why y'all save this for the end? I was like, this shit needs to go to the front, you know? And I think they put it in the front of the record after that. And that's how they set off the record. They do. But then later on that year, um, I booked them at the good spot, my Monday night residency. And, Uh you know, I had like the little stage with the stripper pole. (laughs) It it is a small room, 150 people, you know? And and I was like, yeah, just come through and, and do a few songs. It was so hectic. It was so like low budget. I didn't even introduce him. I didn't even introduce Cole on the mic. Wow. You know? Nobody really knew him. And and I'm just queuing up the record. And I remember Cole was on the stage and he was like, damn, Mo, not even going to introduce me. And I'm in the booth. <laughs> I didn't even have a mic. I was like, you have the only mic. <laughs> and I tell you, he killed it. Uh-huh. He, it was just so uncanny to, to get up there during a dance party when no one knows you without an introduction. And mm-hmm. just rap. Wow. But he is so good. Like he killed it. Yeah. yeah. And and then to see, like, I don't know, this is 11, 12 years later, 
entire Barclays sold out. Yeah, man. Crazy, man. Crazy. Fucking nuts. What do you, what do you, uh, what do you call it? What do you got planned for the, for, for, what do you call it? The rest of the year? Are we going to see EP come back for a fall winter or nah? I think well, we're, we're, we're going to try to do the usual Art Basel like we usually do. Oh, in Miami? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in December. Uh, and I'm working on something for November. Oh, we have our yearly roller disco for Halloween. It takes place on on October 31st. Oh, that's right. Knockdown that's- Center. It'll be huge, huge. I mean, 2,000, 2,500 people. Yeah. We got about like seven or 800 skates. And then everybody else is just going to be like hanging out and partying. But we're, we're going to announce that this week. And then I got a special thing I'm trying to do for November, uh, which we've never done with everyday people. But when I announce it, it'll be kind of cool. Uh, and then personally, I got a residency starting at House of Yes. I think like first Fridays or second Fridays. The first one's October 8th. Wait, wait, what is House of Yes? Is that it's in New York, right? Yeah, House, House of Yes is in Bushwick. Bushwick. And uh, it's a club that's a hybrid between dance club and like performance space. The people who who founded it are like dancers, but like real performance type, somewhere between like aerial acrobatics and burlesque um and it's a space that's very like that's open to everybody yeah i see i see ellie i see ellie escobar djing there all the time and the party is crazy yeah ellie's Ellie's the number one dj at house of yes and just about every other venue in new york but he kills it over there and uh i want to i'm doing a new night where i'm i'm playing the whole night by myself it's gonna be called afro afro musica and really what i'm trying to do is kind of expand on the afro beats and the ama piano which you know when, when a new genre i'm into it's kind of part of the mainstream I just kind of park it there and i go for the other genres that's behind it so afro house you know it's huge and it's already taken over parts of europe and ibiza and all of that it's mm-hmm. not really big in the states but there's an element of it that i think is really soulful and like less techie than what's going mm-hmm. on in ibiza that yeah, I think we can introduce to the to the New York audiences. Like, you know, Black Coffee will be at a uh, Brooklyn Mirage, thirty five hundred, four thousand people out there. So he's the biggest DJ in the world, but he he plays a very techy, uh, super deep brand of Afro house because it's got it's kind of got to cater to white people, which is he's crossed over now. Mm-hmm. But there's all the stuff that's kind of like more grassroots. Um, a lot of it from South Africa as well. So I want to introduce that, but I don't want it to be like too heady or too esoteric. I'm still going to play like some disco hits and like some sing along diva house to just keep everybody involved because it's a, it's a Friday night after all. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So that's at House of Yes. Sounds are you, dope. Are you going to launch a dance, dance, dance with Ellie Escobar? At, um... That's coming back on Wednesday, October 13th. Oh, wow. It's come back weekly dope. at LeBain. Dope. And you know, like, like with everything with uh, with COVID and how things have been, I think we're just gonna go weekly till the end of the year. You know, like I'm really into like doing like seasonal residencies. Like, boom, we're gonna do this every week for like three months, and then maybe January, February comes around, give it a rest or whatever. Like, I'm less, I'm less focused on like, oh, we gotta do this every week, every first of the month. Because nothing's promised. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
Fuck, man. It would be good to see you when I come to New York. It would be good to see you and Ellie spinning together again at LeBain. Facts, man. Every Wednesday at LeBain. And I'm going to try to check out Dana when I come back to New York. And then I'll I'll report to the podcast exactly how ill you killed it. And I want to see if you crowd surf this time when I see you over there in person. (laughs) Yeah, man. We'd love that. (laughs) Uh, What do you call it? Is there anything else we need to, and you guys want to ask or anything or or whatnot? No, yeah. yeah, Dana, mm-hmm. Dana, how was your first road podcast? Was I? It was cool. It's great, man. Thank you guys for having me. I, I uh, I'm honored to say the least. So yeah. thank you for having me. Seriously, this was great. Oh, it's great to have you. I'm glad Moma. You know, he wanted you on, and I was like, let's do it. Let's let's do it. Let's see what happens. You know, and uh, I think it was good. So. It was really great having y'all, man. Mo, I'll probably see you in New York in a couple of days. I'm on my way over there. And uh, Dana, I'll, I'll try to check you out. And then... Uh, well, th- got to go get tacos at that truck. We're going to yes, go... Yes, please. On the bl- I didn't even know they had that shit on the block. Now I'm going to go. Now I definitely well, go. What, what, what are the tacos that are good there, Dana? You know, I'm Mexican. I got to ask. Tecina, I love lengua. Lengua. Uh, I like cactus, nopal, but a lot like of nopales? People- yeah, I, I love it. I love it. Um, those are my top three at that truck. Nice. I'm going to check it. I'm going to go. When I go you gotta, back. Kirk, you got to eat the Nopales one. Because Nopales. you're not eating meat. Nopales is the one for you. I'm over there. Oh, it's, it's good. I love some good tripa, though. I like that shit. You can't eat that right now. No, I can't eat it, but I like that shit. Uh, what do you call it? Yo, thank you. Thank you so much for coming through, man. And I'll see y'all in New York. So if you want to watch this episode on YouTube or view some of our older episodes as well, you can go to youtube.com slash road podcast, like, comment, subscribe. We post new episodes every Thursday, every Thursday, y'all, without fail. So definitely come check out the new episodes on YouTube on Thursdays. And um, peace, peace, man. Thanks for having us.